please, you're God, let me get out of this, please, please. I'm surrounded by fire. Hey, it's the Weather Channel Podcast. I'm Ari Sarsalari. I'm here with John Erdman. We're both meteorologists here at the Weather Channel, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about these fires. Obviously, this has been the biggest story over the last uh, week or so. This all happened really fast. I mean, gosh, it hasn't even been a week. This fire started on Thursday. We got, you know, all the dry and windy weather out there in California, not only Northern California, also SoCal, obviously. You had the uh, big fire there around Malibu and uh, could even see more developing over the next day or so. It's a possibility. But, you know, the specific thing I want to talk about today, and uh, to be fair, this is actually John's idea, is, you know, the idea that fires are just really hard to plan for. They're hard to prepare for. When it happens, like we saw with the campfire in the city of Paradise, it happens so fast. How do you get the warning? You know, are there better ways that we could give warnings? Are Is the messaging correct? Um, stuff like that. So, uh, John, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your, I'm sure, very busy day to uh, hang out and talk with me about this. Ari, it's always a pleasure. I wish it was under better circumstances. This this really is a uh, this this really is incredible to watch. I, I mean, over forty people died in one city, John, in Paradise, and you know you see some of these videos and. Oh my God! I'm surrounded by fire, and I don't know which way to go. Oh my God! Please, dear God, don't let me die. Most often, when you see the videos, you know that the the people ended up making it to the bottom. You know, because you have the video off their phone. They got down to the bottom of the mountain. It was a harrowing experience. But you have a lot of situations here, uh, especially in Paradise. And look, I know there have been other cities as well, places like Concow, um, et cetera, where, where, you know, people are literally being found, you know, bodies are being found in cars. So there were a lot of people that were trying to get down the mountain and they didn't get out. Um, what is it about a fire that is just you know, so difficult to deal with, so hard to get away from quickly, as opposed to something like a tornado warning or, you know, even something like a tsunami, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're not if you're not in California, if you're not from the West or anything, it's a little hard to put this thing in perspective. You, you, you think about you think about deadly wildfires, you think it's more of a more of something from the you know 19th century before the kind of thing that, you know, before we had advanced firefighting methods and we had, uh, you know, helicopters dropping retardant. Uh, you would have thought this would have been something from from a past century. But, you know, th- what's so what's so dangerous about these is it can start up just from a small, small brush fire. And when you're you, it's being fanned by, you know, 30, 40, 50 mile per hour wind gusts, all of a sudden it becomes this inferno that just, just sweeps, you know, rapidly in one direction. And in this particular case, it, it swept right into the town of Paradise, and, and it's just you know it's it's not something you can take shelter from. You can't, you know, you got to you just got to get out of its way. You can't just you can't just run to your basement like a tornado warning. Yeah. So, what are the warnings like for fire weather? You know, uh, I know we forecast this stuff a lot, and just maybe for a lot of people listening, they're familiar with tornado warnings, they're familiar with uh, severe thunderstorm warnings, winter storm warnings. You know, I feel like with fire, you get kind of this more generalized kind of thing. It's like, okay, we've got a red flag warning out or, you know, fire weather alert or what, you know, stuff like this. I mean, do you think we need to be more specific with these or, you know, maybe just explain some of the differences there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a a clearer message may be, you know, maybe something for the meteorology community to work on. You know, we've had, we have red flag warnings out and that's kind of been a a legacy product. That's more, that's not so much for a public consumption uh, you know, you listen to it and you say, what, what is a red flag and why am I being warned for a red flag? 
Well, um, you know, it's just meant to say that that uh, you know, conditions are dangerous for both existing fires and fires that can start. So it's meant more for um, you know forest service managers and, and uh, emergency managers. It's not really meant for public consumption. Uh, the weather service on occasion will issue in some parts of the country a fire weather watch, which which you know just the sound of it kind of gets your attention more. It's a well, you're just dangerous fire weather. Uh, any wildfires that start could spread rapidly. Um, so, you know, there's also high wind warnings out. And in, in, if you're in California and you're under high wind watch or a high wind warning uh, for something that's not a Pacific storm that's bringing rain, that usually gets your attention because there's a Santa Ana or Diablo wind event that can spread the fires rapidly. So, you know, if you're if you're in California, you're, you're pretty well accustomed to those those types of, of uh, I guess it's in a sense, it's like a tornado watch issued before the event actually occurs. Uh, the problem is you never know if there's going to be a fire or not in your particular area. And all it takes is one uh, car accident or one down power line. And all of a sudden you, you have an inferno. Right. And, you know, I think that is a, a fair comparison to make, you know, the idea that there's a fire weather watch that kind of sounds like something like a tornado watch or severe thunderstorm watch, I think that's consumable. But then, you know, what happens once the fire starts, you know? And to be to be fair, I've never lived in the West, and I haven't watched much of the local news out there, and I don't know. Are they on, are they on TV trying to show general areas, like showing maps and being like, if you live in this area, you need to get out, or the fire's moving this way? I mean, how do you handle it, um, you know, well after the fire weather watch has been issued and you're actually at the point where we know that a fire has started and we know that the weather is really bad. Uh, like what, what do you do at that point? Well, and again, to be fair, I, I have not lived in the West myself. Uh, I've done some forecasting in California for say the LA times and San Francisco examiner. And, uh, you know, there's, there's preventive measures you take well before, uh, you know, well before a, a red flag warning is issued, things like removing dead brush around your home, as best as you can, creating some kind of a barrier between where your home is and any brush that any brush or dead trees or anything that could burn. Uh, so you usually want to do that ahead of time, well ahead of the event. Um, but in all honesty, you know, it, <laughs> once the uh, once the Santa Ana wind event or the um, you know that that event is underway, you just have to you just have to monitor very carefully. For any potential fires that are in your area, pay attention to local emergency management, your local fire department, your local uh, police department, sheriff's office. Uh, pay attention to uh, local news uh, to make sure there aren't any fires that have broken out in your area. And once they have, then uh, pay close attention to evacuation. And uh, that that can be, as we've seen already uh, with this um, with this fire in in Paradise, that could be problematic. I think Paradise was an interesting example because there was a spot that had they'd almost just gotten lucky for a really long time, it seems like. Um, I know there were people there that had evacuated in 2008 uh, with the Humboldt fire, I believe it was called. Uh, but it was some kind of people on the skirts of town and it wasn't the entire city that was completely evacuated, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. I was reading an article on the LA Times. It was actually this great article just talking about the road network around there and how it was built back in the day by like gold miners and it wasn't really made with um, evacuations from fires in mind. I mean, yeah, they put some different things in place since then, like uh, the idea that when there's a fire and we know that we have evacuations going, they'll actually take those two lane roads and make them just one way roads um, and things like that. But I mean, you know, obviously there was a big, there were big traffic jams and it was really hard for people to get out. 
Yeah, you know, the parallel I think about is with uh, hurricane evacuations. You know, there are certain parts of the uh, southeast coast and Gulf Coast, particularly South Florida, where it just takes longer to evacuate people because there's just not many ways out. You know, if you think of uh, you think of Miami, if you're not, you know, if you're not hopping a flight out of there, then your your ways out are essentially I-75 through Alligator Alley or I-95 up the coast. So there's just not many ways out. Uh, similar in this case, um, it looks like the plans, um, the plans were updated in 2013, according to that LA Times story, and they were, uh, you know, well prepared for the majority of significant wildfires there. But you know, when you have such an anomalously terrible event such as this that moves so fast, so quickly, even those, uh, even those emergency plans can get get overwhelmed just by the sheer number of people involved. You know, when you have uh, a city of what twenty eight thousand, I believe, uh, with a you know a road network that includes windy, twisty canyon roads, uh, relatively few of those roads, um, it's easy for that to get overwhelmed in an emergency situation such as this. Yeah, I agree. And when, when I was reading through that LA Times article, and I don't know if you had a minute to go through it or not. Did you end up reading that or not? I did. I did. It was yeah. very good. It was it was really interesting, and you know they had. They'd gone through and basically done some drills. You know, they'd actually made some adjustments for this exact situation. The idea that we could, you know, have a fire that could affect the whole town. So they kind of split it up. They had some evacuation zones and there was a plan in place. And they even had done some drills at some point. And uh, there was uh, some official that was saying in the article that he he really thinks that because they did that, it probably saved a lot, a lot of lives. He was saying like thousands of lives possibly were saved by that. Um but I, you know, the other thing that they were talking about was the idea that, look, if if this happened in, uh, you know, six hours rather than two hours, you know, a lot of people who died probably wouldn't have died. You know, things would have gone a lot more smoothly. Um, it's just there's a certain aspect to this fire. And I, I, I feel like I've covered a decent amount of fires now working here. Like, I cannot believe how fast this one spread compared to some of the other ones. I know when it's bad fire weather, we get fires that spread pretty fast, but... I mean, this thing went from zero to eight square miles in just a couple hours. Um, and it was just all of a sudden just this massive thing that you could see on satellite. I mean, usually it takes a fire a little while to get going to that point. I mean, what was it about this setup that was so different? Well, it was those, uh, you know, those northeast winds that were just draining from the, you know, draining through the canyons of the Sierra uh, that were gusting, you know, 30 to 60 miles per hour at the exact wrong time when you had the ignition of the fire, uh, apparently near some transmission lines, I believe. Um, so, you know, as we've seen before, and, you know, this has unfortunately been the case, you know, uh, with the uh, Napa Valley fires, uh, you know, earlier, about a year ago, uh, you know, we've just seen these small, these small little brush fires, you know, just explode because of the strong winds, because of all the fuel in place, all the, all the, uh, brush and vegetation that had been dried out from, you know, we're just coming off of the dry season in California. Uh, you know, they, they, it doesn't rain there in the summer. So, you know, you're just drying out all that vegetation and some of that vegetation was, um, was, you know, was put in place because, uh, you know, in, in 2016 and 2017, it was one of the wettest water years on record in the Northern Sierra. So you, you had a wet year, you built all that brush up, and then you had a dry year after that, one of the driest water years on record in 2017 and 2018. So all that new vegetation dried out, and so you just had this tremendous amount of fuel in advance of the fire. Then you fanned by those strong winds, and oh, by the way, they've had one of their drier falls on record, uh, you know, 
through October into uh, the first oh, 10 days of November. So, you know, it, it was it was just kind of a perfect storm of, of conditions, if you will. That's a really good point that you make. I didn't even think about that. The idea that it had been so wet for the last couple of years, meaning that a bunch of new vegetation grew and then it got so dry after that. So there was an abnormally large amount of vegetation in the first place and all that stuff got dried out. So basically you just ended up with like more fuel than usual, right? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting paradox, isn't it? I mean, you want, <laughs> you know, we want we want rain in there. We want rain. We want mountain snow for water supply. But that's only good news if if you do, if it isn't followed immediately by another dry winter. And uh, you know, now we're headed we're we're into mid November now, so we're heading into some of the rainier months in California, and and uh, you know, we're just starting to chew into the what's considered the rainy season there, and we still haven't had much rain, so. Yeah, it's it's great when you have a couple. You'd love to have a couple of wet years in a row that can just uh, you know just kind of you know replenish the reservoirs and kind of uh, put a bit of a tamping down of this this fire threat. But the problem is again, California is a Mediterranean climate, and you just <laughs> you have a dry season, and that's that's the that's the big problem. That's just never going to change. So I know a couple of years ago, California had like some serious drought issues going on, you know, um, and that obviously ended up getting better over time. I, I remember it was around the time I started working here. That was the big story for a long time was just how bad this California drought was. It seems like it's never going to end. What, 2014, 2015. And then all of a sudden, I, rem- I do remember covering it also when there was so much rain that it pretty much did end. So where do we stand right now? I mean, we're back in a pretty decent amount of drought, right? Yeah, that was a that was the middle part of the decade. You're right. Uh, you know, California had you know just an incredibly long, dry stretch. You know, with high pressures sitting over them, diverting the jet stream well into uh, Western Canada in the middle of what usually is the rainy season. And so, yeah, if you don't get it, if you have a dry season and then you have a wet season and it doesn't rain in the wet season, that's big trouble. And so that's that led to some you know some incredibly dry reservoirs, some of the classic photos that you saw of, of, uh, reservoirs that were being drawn down. Uh, but, uh, you know, then again, we had the, the, the wet 2016, 2017 water year, uh, one of the wettest on record in the Northern Sierra. And unfortunately right now, just given the dry start to, uh, you know, dry start to the fall, um, you know, there is drought, uh, analyzed by the, uh, U S drought monitor over parts of Northern California and even, uh, particularly in Southern California. So they're, they're slipping back into drought uh, slowly but surely, and uh, again, if we don't <laughs> we don't see a break in the pattern soon, um, you know, as we go, into, if we if it continues to be dry in November and December, then all of a sudden this becomes this becomes fairly serious. Well, the next couple of weeks, um, or I, I should say, the next couple of days at least for Northern California, the wind has kind of backed off a little bit. Um, hopefully, that kind of allows them to get a little bit more of a handle on the campfire. But uh, down in SoCal. You know, still a little bit windy, still that Santa Ana thing kind of going on. But by the time we get to next week, isn't there, there's a pretty decent chance that, you know, the the pattern shifts a little bit and we could actually get some rain. Now, if we do get some rain, is the rain itself going to help the fires or not? Well, it depends how much, uh, you know, they, they, in, in, in the West, sometimes they talk about the concept of wetting rain, which sounds which sounds a little ridiculous if you're listening to us from anywhere else. You know, what is, isn't rain always wet? Well, sometimes you, you just don't get enough rain to actually dampen the ground enough to make a difference. Um, the good news is it looks like the pattern should bring some rain into California, again, as you mentioned, uh, sometime next week. 
Um, but again, how much of it, if you, if you only get a couple hundredths of an inch of rain, it really doesn't do a heck of a lot to, um, really tamp down, uh, you know, bring, bring soil moisture back up a bit and, uh, you know, really, really change anything going forward. Uh, so hopefully we can get some, hopefully we can get kind of a Goldilocks situation where you get some decent soaking rain, but not enough to produce a lot of flooding or landslides. Um, and also would produce some snow in the mountains, but, uh, it just depends how much, like I said, you know, California's notorious. They can get some rain events that again, only produce a couple hundredths of an inch and then it's not a big deal. So, uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, just kind of going back to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier uh, before we end, I just want to get like a big question out of the way. Like how do we do a better job of warning people that this stuff is going to happen? Or is it the type of situation where, look, when you have a fire that starts close to a city like that and it spreads that fast, it's just like, you know, sometimes really bad things happen. Is there anything that you feel like could have been done better looking back? Um, could the infrastructure have been better? I mean, you know, what are, what are the biggest things that stick out to you? Like, okay, this is something that could have been done better that maybe could have saved more lives. Well, it's a a difficult question. You know, we've, uh, we've built out to the, uh, what's called the, uh, you know, the, uh, the urban, uh, the urban forest interface, so to speak, you know, in other words, we, you know, we love to have homes in the woods. We love to have homes in the foothills of places, but you know, when you build in the forest, uh, you're susceptible and that's, you know, that's just, that's just part of the lifestyle. You know, we all, I, I, I dream of living in the mountains someday, but I would have to, you know, assume that risk. So given that, that, given that's already happened, you can't really unring that bell. So, you know, I, you have to think of it this way again, California wildfires in California is kind of what kind of what tornadoes are to some parts of the plains in the Southeast. You know, that's, that's California's California's severe weather season per se is basically covering wildfires. So, you know, you just, I guess you just, you have to pay attention when the national weather service and uh, local meteorologists mentioned Santa Ana winds or Diablo winds as they're called in Northern California uh, if it's been recently dry and they're talking about strong winds, uh, you pretty much have to be alert that, um, you know, if a fire starts somewhere nearby, you, you, you may have to evacuate quickly. You may have to, uh, have a plan, have, have things, you know, kind of, uh, have the ability to pack up things quickly and get out of there, know your evacuation routes and, and for, you know, city managers and, uh, county managers and, uh, emergency managers, they, they need to think about, having enough evacuation routes open, uh, as you mentioned earlier, the contraflow that was in Butte County, uh, to get people out of these canyons quickly um, when really you don't have hours, you may have minutes. And it's a, it's a difficult question. If you have thousands of people in this area, you know, how, how do you get people out of these windy, twisty canyon roads uh, quickly? It's, it's, it's not, an easy, uh, not an easy issue to solve, unfortunately, given, given what the growth is. No, it really isn't. But I mean, you think about things like, okay, say, let's say a tornado warning again. I know I keep going back to that example, but you know, you talk about a tornado warning, you know, it, it, it's like a national weather service issued thing. It comes up on everybody's phone immediately. I feel like sometimes with these evacuations, you know, are, are, are people getting notifications? Because I was reading a story, um, you know, you probably read this too. I think it was in that article. It was talking about a guy who lived in uh, Concow who ended up losing his house and, uh, you know, he, he, he made it out safely, but he said he got the notification on his phone like 30 minutes after him and his family left. You know what I mean? So, you know, I wonder if there's a way to like get this in somehow, 
to the whole system that the weather service is using and say, you know, it's a weird thing. Do you do you issue a warning or do you issue an evacuation? You see it kind of like overlap sometimes with hurricanes. You have a hurricane warning and they will often evacuate people. But do you get a notification for the evacuation? I mean, I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on some of that stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, tornado warnings have these exact polygons of areas and threat. And if you're in it, you take shelter. And if you're not, you you know, you monitor for other warnings. Um, it can be tricky because, uh, you know, these decisions are made fairly quickly by emergency managers, which exactly which blocks of a city are evacuated. Uh, so it may be a little bit tough to execute, but I've, I've seen some, some good warnings come out of uh, some Plains Weather Service offices, say in the Texas Panhandle in Oklahoma, Western Kansas, they'll actually issue a fire warning and they'll, they'll draw a little polygon in there and say for the city of Smithville. Uh, this, the south side of the city of Smithville needs to evacuate per, per emergency managers, and they'll issue a fire warning. And that should, I would imagine, now I'm not certain if that triggers an alert on your phone, but uh, I would I would think it should <laughs> uh, if, if if you're in that area where the fire warning is issued. So I've, I've seen those issued before, and they seem, they seem to be quite effective, and they seem to be quite attention-getting. So uh, I, I guess I would say, um, you know, if you're in, if you're in parts of California, you're active on social media, you know, it might be worth giving, giving the, uh, your, your sheriff's office or your uh, local emergency management's office, office a follow on Twitter. So at least you get some kind of, um, at least if you're, if you're active on social media, you at least get some kind of notification that way. But, but I do hear you. It's, um, it's something that should probably trigger, uh, trigger some kind of alert on your phone. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, there were some people that were getting some alerts on their phones, but, you know, I don't know what kind they were, whether it's just a, you know. I mean, you see the other day, you know, the president sends something out. He has the ability to just text everybody in the nation if he needs to. You know what I mean? And you, you would think like some of these local places, you'd be able to say, hey, there's a huge fire coming toward paradise. Everybody out now and everybody can get that thing like immediately. But I don't know. Maybe that's just something that we could research a little bit. And, uh, you know, work on at some point. I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility of something that could be done. Anyway, um, you know, I, I, I'm glad we talked about some of this stuff, John. It's, it, it's like there's so many different things, so many different ways to approach this when you look back on it. And look, I mean, it's, it's still kind of going on. I mean, you've still got, uh, you know, a lot of active fires and firefighters that are working really hard to try and get them under control. And you still have a lot of people that haven't even been back. You still have over 200 people that are missing. Uh, this is still an ongoing situation, but you know, even now I think it's, it's smart to just at least start to think about taking a look back at it and how can we maybe improve things in the future because there's just so much loss of life, you know? Yeah, it's uh, you know, and this isn't something that's just for areas near the foothills or areas near a forest. Uh, you know, we've seen, as we saw in, unfortunately, in Paradise, there are parts of the city itself that burn. So you may not, you may not necessarily live close to a forest, but you know, we saw that in Santa Rosa, California, uh, parts of that city burn. So you know, this is this is for also for areas where you may, <laughs> you know, you may live ten miles away from the foothills, but on a some city street, but all of a sudden you have this. Uh, this firestorm coming down toward you that you that you need to think about as well. What is the technical definition of a firestorm? I have to be honest, I've I actually never heard that uh, term before. I didn't, I, or I've heard it before, but I didn't know it was technically a real meteorological term. <laughs> well, I think of a firestorm if it's something that's driven by driven by high winds, um, you know. And and this isn't this isn't just something that's that's happened recently. Of course, we've seen a lot of it recently. Uh, of course, the big fire NATO that we had, fire whirl up in. Uh, uh, 
in Northern California in Redding, I believe. Uh, so, you know, we've, <laughs> I, I just think of something that's being whipped by strong winds, you know, prior to the last couple of years, the, the, the firestorm that I recall was in the, uh, was in the San Francisco Bay area in the Oakland Hills in uh, 1991. That was a, that was a classic firestorm event driven by uh, Diablo winds. So, um, you know, if it's not, you can have a wildfire that can sit still uh, that if it's not driven by winds, but then all of a sudden it's just whipped into this advancing, advancing storm by, you know, 30, 40, 50 plus mile per hour winds, uh, then it just becomes this, this, uh, massive wall of fire advancing, uh, with, uh, embers blowing downstream, starting new spot fires ahead of it. it you know, to me that, that, that sounds like a firestorm. <laughs> You know, John, I was also going to ask you, um, I don't know how much of the literature you've gotten into on this, but, and maybe this is probably a, a, uh, topic for another podcast, but just like maybe briefly, is this stuff happening more nowadays or is it just that there are more phones that are, you know, with cameras on them that are capturing just these incredibly crazy videos of people trying to escape things down the mountain and, you know, everything's going viral. I mean, we know that wildfires have gone on forever, but are there more wildfires that are happening now? Well, to some extent, it is, is a uh, it is a function of uh, the ubiquity of smartphones and and uh, video of capturing these type of events. But um, it is entirely consistent in a warming climate uh, for there to be uh, an increase in increasingly extended periods of drought in certain areas. Um, you know, precipitation extremes, uh, you know, both drought and flood, um, are expected to become. Uh, more frequent in a warming climate. So it's entirely consistent that, um, uh, you know, we'll, we will see more wildfires. Uh, we could see more destructive wildfires uh, in a warming climate, particularly in the Western United States, um, where, you know, you have vast swaths of forest in some areas that have been affected by, by disease, by, by, you know, uh, by insects. Uh, so it's just kind of, it, it's, it's basically kindling there for, um, a wildfire start either from lightning or from, uh, in the summer or from, uh, you know, just from whatever man-made cause. So yeah, unfortunately it's, um, it's, it's entirely consistent with, with a changing climate. And so it's something that we're going to have to continue to address both getting people out of the way and also, um, mitigating it through firefighting and also, uh, in an insurance angle as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was the case. And I remember when I went to the Paris Climate Summit, this was like a couple of years ago, and uh, there was a great climate scientist that was there. I can't remember his name, but I, I remember I asked him specifically, there was some kind of weather event that was going on that we were covering a lot. I can't remember what it was, but I asked him, hey, can you can you like specifically um, uh, say that it's climate change that is making this happen? And I remember him saying no, but there are there are certain things that there is enough literature on that we do know. We've actually done research. And one of those things is wildfires. You know, like we are finding out that, you know, legitimately because of climate change, there actually are more wildfires that are happening now uh, than there were back in the day. So anyway, I just wanted to touch on that super quickly. But uh, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to talk to me, John. We'll do this again soon. All right. Anytime. Thanks, Ari. 